Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Kids Yoga Podcast. I am Jessica Mujis, your host, and I want to tell you about December and January. I'm going to be re-releasing some of my all-time favorite Kids Yoga Podcast episodes. I have had the privilege of talking to so many incredible people over these past two years that are within the kids yoga and mindfulness fields, and I wanted to re-share some of my favorite conversations because there is so much richness and depths to these conversations. I have learned so much. I hope you have learned so much. So re-releasing some of my favorites so you can either give them a listen for the first time or if you heard it a while back, maybe you want to listen again and see if you get something new. So thanks so much for being here. I hope you enjoy. I wanted to start out my re-releasing episodes with the first interview I ever did, and this was with Marissa Goulborn. I love this episode because it reminds me of where the podcast began. I remember being in my bedroom in New York City while my babysitter took my son out for a walk, and it, you know, it was a small space, and I was kind of like cramped up in the corner with my microphone and sitting there and thinking, do I even know what I'm doing? But I was so excited to talk to Marissa. She taught for me for a little while um, for Gem Yoga, and I just find her to be an incredibly inspiring woman. She has since um, became the owner of her own yoga studio and is just doing incredible work. So I have great gratitude to Marissa for agreeing to be my first interview. Her wisdom and her openness really set the tone for all the interviews to come. And I was so thrilled to ask her for a kid's yoga gem right in that first episode. And that began the tradition of every episode afterwards. So please enjoy. Hi, welcome to the kid's yoga podcast the place for all things kids yoga. I'm Jessica Mujis, and I'm the founder of Gem Yoga here in New York City and a kids yoga teacher for over 10 years now. Welcome to episode three, the first in our series of kids yoga perspectives, interviews with kids yoga professionals. My first guest is Marissa Goulborn, and she's actually a teacher for me. And so I'm so thrilled to have her. A little bit of her background. Marissa began practicing yoga regularly in 2014 as a way to cross-train for the New York City Marathon. She deepened her practice in 2016 during her pregnancy and credits yoga with not only helping her through labor and delivery, but also with strengthening the bond between her and her unborn child. Having spent nearly 15 years working in urban education, Marissa has a passion for empowering children of all ages and helping them determine their individual definitions of success. She completed her 200-hour training in 2018 and is registered with Yoga Alliance. Marissa enjoys reading, cooking, and hanging out with her beautiful, blended family. Marissa, thank you for being here. Welcome. Hi, welcome. Thank you for having me. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? Um, yeah, it's Goolborn, Goldborn, either way. 
Okay. I'm, I'm still getting used to it three and a half years in. So okay. <laughs> I understand, you know, the last name Mugis, I get a lot of Mogus yep. and all different stuff. So, okay. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. So I wanted to just kind of start at the beginning and I was wondering if you can tell us a little bit about how you got started in kids yoga to begin with. Sure. So I actually found kids yoga when my daughter was an infant. Um, we attended postnatal mommy and me classes regularly and her older sister, whom I refer to as my bonus daughter, um, she's here every other weekend and she wanted in on the yoga fund. So she would come and, you know, say, Marissa, well, I want to go to yoga classes with you. So, um, I started looking up toddler classes and then she progressed as she got a little bit older to kids yoga classes. And I was really taken aback by how the kids were able to access this ancient practice in a way that made sense for their developmental stage of life. Um, and as cliche as it sounds, it really ignited a spark in me and I was hooked. I wanted in on this. Um, I've always had a passion for working with kids and this just really opened my eyes to a path where I could combine my love for yoga with my love for working with kids. Yeah, that's such a familiar story, I think, for kids' yoga teachers. It's like the first time you see it in action, it's kind of a spark goes off. You're like, wow. Yep. This is... <laughs> so had you been practicing yoga um, prior to this on your own? or? Yeah, so I started um, practicing yoga in 2014 when I was training for the New York City Marathon. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was a way for cross training. Um, so I was incorporating running with yoga and some swimming and, um, some other cross training ways. And then, um, after I got pregnant with my daughter, I started taking prenatal yoga classes and it just really, it was a shift, um, where, Yes, we focused on the asana, which is the um, the physical postures in yoga, but then there was definitely more of a spiritual connection that I wasn't really tapping into when I was doing it before um, for cross-training for the marathon. So right. Was, yeah, yeah, I find that a lot. <laughs> yeah. like the It seems like a lot of people are first drawn to that physical part, the exercise mm -hmm. part, and then, like you said, then you start to realize oh, but I'm feeling so good in my mind. And you start to find that sense of peace and kind of brings you deeper. Right. And at that point, when I was first um, cross-training for the marathon, I was actually living in Brooklyn. And a lot of the New York City classes, which you alluded to in episode two, a lot of the New York City classes are focused on asana. So mm -hmm. I was in a lot of yoga for runners classes, yoga for athletes classes, so we were just focused on the physical postures of yoga. When I moved up to Westchester County and started taking prenatal classes, again, there was definitely more of that spiritual shift and that spiritual connection. Um, but that's also, I find the beauty of kids yoga is that it does such a good job of integrating both parts. Yes, absolutely. Now, Recently, we had um, a parent that was asking about the class and, you know, we like to incorporate all eight limbs in our classes. And she had said that 
um, her expectation was that the kids would be moving more. Mind you, it was the first class, so you were getting to know them. And she asked, like, I want to make sure you're actually going to do yoga. And I was wondering, <laughs> like, I think I've, I've definitely encountered that a lot where parents, their perspective of it is this, the physical exercise, which is very important, but there's so much more to it. So how do you, I, I felt like you handled it with such grace when you answered the parent. How do you handle situations like that where maybe a parent is seeing a class and it's not exactly what they expected? How do you explain that to them? Um, it's very interesting because it's similar to, um, <laughs> parenting with Grace, where right now my daughter is three and a half and she's going through the phase where she doesn't like certain vegetables, um, mm-hmm. which is fine, except she doesn't realize that she's eating those vegetables because they are blended and hidden into her food. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Um, so it's actually the same way with kids yoga where they don't necessarily realize that it's blended into everything that we do. Um, what I explained to the parent is that while I appreciate her daughter's, um, level of physical activity and energy and it's, you know, it's great. Um, there's just no way that we are going to have a 75 minute kids yoga class that is only focused on asana. It's Absolutely. just, it's impossible. Um, I could bring in all of the props in the world and it just would not be enough. Um, but also I think that even if it was possible, I wouldn't want to do it because Again, we're missing the beauty of yoga where yoga is everywhere. And especially we live in New York City. It's such a fast pace here and we need to do a better job of slowing down and being present and finding the beauty in everything that we do. And if we're not teaching that from a young age, if we're not planting that seed with our kids, then we are doing them a great disservice and we're doing our future as human beings a great disservice. So I explained to the parent, you know, we're coloring. Yes, we, we are going to set aside time to color in every single class. We're coloring mandalas. Mandalas teach concentration. Mandalas teach patience. And that's a skill that kids need to build. Um, and we know concentration, that's one of the eight limbs of yoga. So while the parent and the child may look at it as we're just coloring this beautiful picture. You know, you're actually doing yoga. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes kind of like how we were saying the doorway into yoga might be those, the poses and the physical part. But I think once kids are in the door, then you have this opportunity to introduce them to all these other aspects. And I've found that it's surprising sometimes what they're drawn to. Some of the kids are really interested in the meditation or the mindfulness or, you know, the visualizations or what have you. So it's kind of like getting in there, reading the room and then, you know, going from there. Um, but I really appreciate what you're saying. Like we, we're just so lucky as kids, yoga teachers, right. To be able to pass on this practice to kids and, I agree. It's a disservice if you're only focusing on one of the limbs. Um, 
But again, I, I just think how you answered the parent was really um, with grace. And I like your analogy. The veggies Thank blended you. in. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. Um, okay. So in your time teaching kids yoga, can you think of uh, a more challenging class you had and kind of how you handled that in the moment? Yeah. So um, it was actually in a toddler class that I taught um, where there were 14 toddlers. Um, so it was definitely a full house. And wow. yeah, um, I always start my toddler classes by just telling the moms and the dads and the caregivers in the room that I like to keep my classes airy and light. So as long as the kids are having fun and they are safe in the space that we're in, they don't have to follow along to every single thing that I'm doing. I don't expect them to. Um, but again, I just want to keep it airy and light. And that's definitely a shift for parents, um, especially parents of high achieving kids, because they're not necessarily used to that mentality. They're used to signing their kids up for classes where it's like very strict and very rigid and structured. Um, and that's just not my philosophy in teaching. Um, so, you know, there was a moment where a kid was not doing the pose the way that the parent liked and you know, I, I give her credit. She's overwhelmed. She has a three-year-old and she also has a newborn baby and she just lost it in the class. Um, you know, she was yelling at the kid and it was, it was really hard to, mm -hmm. to watch that in the moment. Um, and I know that it was uncomfortable for the other parents in the room as well. And I just tried to keep going the best that I could, um, and not necessarily feed into the distraction. And then it just, you know, it kept, it, it escalated from there. So I just using, um, using my subtle body cues, I just shifted gears into a high energy activity just to get the kids like all moving around. Um, so I used the parachute <laughs> where uh, we were all always a hit. Yep. Yep. And we were, you know, lifting the parachute up and down and singing songs and the kids were all running. And I just kind of gave the mom some space to herself. And then once everybody else was engaged, I just walked over to the mom and just rested both of my hands on her shoulders just as a, a grounding technique, which is, you know, something we would use in an adult class as well. And mm -hmm. just did some, a few deep breaths with her. And then we moved on from there. It was fine. But it was definitely, I, my heart broke for, for the mom and for the kid in that moment. Yeah. I mean, I can totally empathize because I have a, well, she's four now, but when my son was born, my daughter was three. So I had the three-year-old and the newborn and I certainly had my moments, you know, of losing it. Yep. Um, but what I like about that story is how you were able to see her from a place of compassion as well as the other people in the room and kind of sometimes it's walking that line between, um, you know, dealing with what's happening, but also keeping in mind you've got this group of 11 other kids and they're, and they're grownups that are in the room and how do you figure that out? So it's a lot of thinking on your toes. So I'm glad you were able to have that moment with the mom and, um, you know, I'm glad she was there. I'm glad she was out <laughs> with her kids. I mean, that's huge when you have a newborn. 
Right. Um, and I, I always say that in full classes as well. Um, just anticipating that things might not go as planned, but sometimes half the battle is just getting out of the house and it's okay. And yes. if that's what you've accomplished for the day with your toddlers and your newborns, that's okay. It's a win. Absolutely. So true. Um, have you ever had a situation in a class where you felt, um, like there was a child that was triggering to you? I know in my teaching, I found over the years that when I, when there's a child in the room that seems to be like bothering me internally, whenever Mm -hmm. I reflect, I realize that they're just triggering something inside of me that either is something about me that, that bothers me or, you know, something that I'm dealing with. Have you ever had that kind of situation happen with you? Yeah. So that actually came up, um, last month in December, which it's, we all know it's a very big holiday month. And we were talking in our class, um, about mindfulness and about gratitude. And we started to reflect a little bit, um, on the holidays, you know, it's, something that naturally comes up during holiday season. And, um, I had mentioned Hanukkah and there was a boy in my class who his face instantly scrunched up. And he said, I don't celebrate Hanukkah. We don't need to talk about that here. That's not for me. Mm. And I, I had to pause and take a step back and I had to remind myself to be mindful in my response to him because I had to remember he is a child. I had to remember he's not necessarily saying these type of things to be mean or to be hurtful. And it could just be something that he heard and he's now repeating. Or maybe he's confused or something that he misunderstood. But I had to tell him, well, I don't celebrate Hanukkah either, but that's okay because we have people in the room that celebrate Hanukkah and I don't want to make them feel bad because they don't celebrate Christmas. Just like I'm sure they don't want to make you feel bad because you celebrate Christmas and not Hanukkah. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was definitely a learning moment. And I could see the face of the other student who I know celebrates Hanukkah. There was just like that moment of relief where she felt okay, like Marissa has my back on this. Right. But it just, I remember it, it stuck with me because in my mind, like these are babies, you know, they're, they're not even seven years old yet. Um, and he had, he had said a few things here and there kind of alluding to, well, this is what I believe and this is right. And mm. it doesn't matter what anybody else believes. Um, so it was, it definitely was a little challenging to work with him in that mindset. Um, but I had to remember that I am the adult in the room and I have to set the appropriate tone and do it with a hint of love and compassion, but also be firm and not necessarily tell him that he's wrong, but to remember that there are other people in the room and there are other people in the world that may not share your views, but that's okay. We can still respect them. Yeah, absolutely. There's two things about that that stick out to me. First of all, the pause, which is so key when there's situations where a child says something or does something or 
parent um, and you take that pause. That's so important. Take that pause, take the breath before you react. So finding that space, I think it's super important as a kid's yoga teacher. Um, and then also just um, kind of, it reminds me of how do we discipline in a, in quotes, in a, in a yoga class, in a kid's yoga class. Um, it's so different than maybe the traditional forms of discipline that might be happening at school. Um, what are your thoughts on that? When something like how you were describing, like this happened, you didn't want, you didn't want it to reprimand him and make him feel bad, but you also wanted the children in the room who might've celebrated Hanukkah not to feel ostracized. So what is your kind of philosophy about um, how to handle situations like that where the, the discipline has to happen, but in a yogic way? It's tough. Um, in my toddler classes, it's, it's a little bit easier because the parents and the caregivers are there. So mm-hmm. I, a lot of times will kind of push that back on them to handle any type of disciplinary issues. But obviously discipline for a toddler is very different than discipline for an older child. Um, so, you know, with the toddler classes, maybe, you know, someone took somebody else's block and, you know, they have to give it back and apologize. And it's usually just something quick. Um, with the, with the kids classes, it's a little different because again, a lot of times they're saying and doing things that they may have seen or heard outside and they're just testing, right? Like they're testing Mm -hmm. to see what they can get away with. They're testing to see what happens if I put this, this word out in the air. Um, and I think what you said before was very important, taking that pause. And remembering that we have to, we have to remember our yoga principles in our response. Um, so we can't necessarily send them out of the room. You know, we can't put them in timeout. That doesn't really work in kids yoga settings. Um, a lot of times what I find that does work is just talking to that student one on one, just maybe pulling them aside and just asking them, you know, what's going on? Do you need a minute? Do you need to pause? Do you need to breathe? Why don't you go to the bathroom and get a drink of water? So that way they're, they're taking a walk and, you know, they're, they're breathing and resetting, but they're also being told that it's, it's okay to take a reset. You're not necessarily in trouble. You're not a bad person, but maybe right now you need to spend 30 seconds to a minute in a different environment and then come back with a clear head. Um, mindful jars, I try to always keep them in my, in my bag, in my toolkit, um, where sometimes they just need to, to breathe and to watch the glitter fall and that can, and help them reset. Um, and one thing that I always tell the parents in particular is every day is a fresh start. So even if your child had a rough day today, you know, maybe it was, it was raining and they didn't have what they wanted for breakfast or, you know, their older brother did something to them this morning that set them off. That's fine. We can deal with it. Fresh start tomorrow. I love that. That's a good reminder for 
us too. Like, I think I need to remember that yep. <laughs> sometimes, you know, when you've got, especially in the parenting game and you've got, you had the rough day and just to remember that you're starting over the next day, clean slate and especially children, right? They're, it's almost like I, I find I, if I'm hard on myself about my parenting one day, it's my, my daughter's put it behind her. She's not even like, she's past it but I'm still dwelling in it sometimes. Right. Um, and I've, I've had my mommy moments where I just mm-hmm. need to take a really hot shower and just cry it out in there for five minutes and then yes. come back. <laughs> so, totally. Totally. And it's the same thing with kids. I mean, sometimes it, it just could be something in the room that's triggering and they just need a moment to breathe. So, okay, go for a walk, come back. You're fine. We'll get through it. Yeah. And an important thing you also said earlier was you mentioned also being firm at the same time. So I think sometimes when people think of a kid's yoga class and how do we manage it, they might get the false sense that, oh, it's just like loosey goosey and we do whatever and we're just going with the flow. (laughs) But that's so not the case. If in a kid's yoga class, it's, it's very clear in your intention of how the class is going to be run and what kind of energy it has. Um, and sometimes it's just a matter of the first class setting, coming up together with the, the rules or the guidelines or whatever you want to call it together and saying, how are we going to work together to make this the best environment? But it's definitely not just go with the flow mentality for sure. Right. And even setting those expectations at the beginning, that's just, again, another way of blending the vegetables in because a lot of the expectations that we're setting are set in the yamas and the niyamas. And again, they may not realize that that's yoga, but it is. (laughs) And a lot of those guidelines that we're setting in the yoga class, those are guidelines that they can take with them even when they're not on the mat. So we're just, again, setting them up to be successful adults. Absolutely. Now, a little shift here. So let's talk a little bit about kids yoga from from a mom's perspective. So I know for me, when my daughter was born, I had all these images of how I was going to teach her yoga and all these ideas. And then reality sets in and (laughs) Just like motherhood, it's nothing like what you imagined. Um, what have, how have you found it to be, um, with your, your daughter Dylan, um, with, with kids yoga? Have you tried to teach her? Like, what does that look like for your relationship? So I actually had the same vision where we were just going to gracefully soar through mommy <laughs> classes and toddler classes and kids classes. And we were going to go on these, you know, mommy and daughter yoga retreats when we get older and maybe that will happen. But with the rest of it, I can say thus far, my vision and my reality are not one and the same. Um, (laughs) There were many mommy and me classes where Dylan was crying and Dylan had to be fed in the middle of class. And Dylan would fall asleep and Dylan would, you know, spit up all over me. So I had to come out of my tree pose because I have this infant who is 
crawling off of my mat trying to go take a pacifier from the baby on the other mat. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it definitely, like I said, my reality and my vision are not one and the same. But it has been interesting to see how we can incorporate yoga. Um, sometimes it's, you know, playing yoga games like Dylan loves to play toga with the pom-poms and seeing how many pom-poms can she pick up on, on, on the mat with her toes. Um, you know, sometimes we're trying to do some partner poses. Sometimes it's just reading Goodnight Yoga, which is one of her favorite books that she has now memorized. Um, sometimes it's doing animal poses and just, you know, figuring out, okay, well, let's, how can we pretend to be this animal and how can we move our bodies to be like this animal? So it's, it's definitely, um, put me on my toes and seeing mm -hmm. how I can incorporate it into her life seamlessly because she right now, again, she's three years old and it's not something where she comes home from daycare and, you know, we're able to have a solid practice for 30 minutes. Um, that's just not our reality. But again, just figuring out how can we kind of incorporate it in, sprinkle it in throughout her day. Um, so it's been, it's been interesting, but she, have you, she definitely enjoys it. <laughs> right. That's good. No, I, I, I could really relate to that. It's like you're sprinkling it in, in these little ways throughout the day, not just necessarily sitting on a mat for half an hour, but it's, it's when you take a deep breath before you leave the house or you have a mind jar around that you can show to them, you know, these different ways that you can incorporate yoga in your parenting. Have you found that your teaching has changed at all since having your daughter? Absolutely. Um, I am a hundred times more empathetic towards toddler moms. <laughs> yes. In particular, um, I, I totally get it. Um, I, I've always been patient with kids, but having my own child now, um, I definitely have a lot more empathy towards parents because you don't necessarily know what it has taken for that parent just to come into the space that day. Um, mm -hmm. you don't know what they have left behind at home. Um, there could be a sink full of dishes. There could be a fridge with no food and they could just be completely overwhelmed, but they felt they needed to get out of the house for the 75 minutes with their toddler. And they are now here. Um, and I've worked really hard to, to just honor that and to give them that moment of you are here, you are safe and you can fully be present here. Um, so a lot of times in my classes, I have zero problem cleaning up the entire room and picking up all of the props and picking up all of the pom-poms and the scarves because I see that look in the mom's faces where they're instantly trying to scramble and, you know, get everything up off of the floor. And I always tell them, it's okay. You are here. Just be present with your child. I have no problem picking up after your kid today and just seeing that look of relief come over their face where it's something so small, just, it goes such a long way. That makes, I'm like, that sounds amazing. I want to come to your <laughs> class. <laughs> Cause you, you know what it's like when you, sometimes you bring your child to a class and it, it's, 
I never understood until I had my daughter that there is a level of anxiety of feeling judged by other parents or by the teacher and, you know, just, or feeling embarrassed by the behavior, but it's so nice if you can enter a room and the teacher's saying, don't worry, I got you. You're safe. Mm -hmm. You know, just being able to take that 45 minutes, hour, whatever it is, and, and relax just a little bit. It, that sounds amazing. Um, right. Just, just hang out and be present with your kid and take a couple of pictures, snap a video. Fine. But please don't come thinking that you have to, you know, clean up and do all of this other stuff. It's okay. You have enough going on <laughs> that yeah. you can just be present here because you being relaxed in that setting is also going to let your child know that it's okay. Right. Absolutely. Do you have a favorite age or population that you like to work with? Um, I would say that sweet spot from four to about eight or nine. Um, that is when you will find kids can be brutally honest. And it is, I, I find it really funny, actually. Um, Mm -hmm. the things that they say and the way that their minds work, it just, it's hilarious to me. Um, and a lot of times at that age, they think that they are mini adults, (laughs) but then they they will do or say something that is just heartwarming and just reminds you that they are a child still. Um, so it's, it's that moment of where they still have like that sweet innocence, but they're starting to, they're starting to gain their independence more. Um, so it's, it's just really a fun age and you can also start to see the, the result of the seeds that have already been planted. Um, so it's, it's, it's really interesting to work with that age group. Yeah. I love that age too. Um, my daughter's now four and I, I see even such a difference from three to four in the, I don't know, rationalizing with them a little bit more and just the thoughts that come out of their mouth. It's, it's really amazing. Um, why do you think you're so drawn to teach kids yoga? What is it about teaching yoga to children that excites you? I think it excites me because I really get to see personalities shine in a way that you don't necessarily get to see in an adult yoga class. Um, you are connecting more with them on a personal level. Um, and that's true for any, any area of working with kids. Um, you're going to connect with them more on a personal level. They have to really trust you before anything. That is essentially the foundation of working with kids. And to have a child completely trust you and to come in and just, they're going to tell you all about their day and, you know, their week and their months and their lives. Mm -hmm. And they, they're little sponges. So it's really powerful to, to build those relationships with them and to then see them transform into into little yogis where they they're you're doing you know if you're doing animal poses 
and they're they're saying, okay, well, I like Marissa and I trust her, so I'm just going to follow along with this and it's going to be great. And since I'm a five-year-old, I'm going to put my own spin on this and make it my own. And that all happens in a matter of maybe two seconds in their head. Um, so yeah, I think that's why I like working with kids so much is just seeing their personalities shine. Um, and again, you're just building connections and relationships that you're not necessarily going to get in an adult yoga class. Um, it's also fun because you just get to use your imagination, um, and, you know, think of what props you can use to make this sequence come alive. Or um, I love Disney movies, so I get to reference those all the time. And that age group is definitely going to get what I'm saying. Whereas, you know, mm -hmm. if, I, if I say the word Arendelle in an adult yoga class, <laughs> <laughs> they might not necessarily know what I mean. Whereas in a kid's yoga class, most of those kids know that that's where Anna and Elsa live. That is, you know, the name of their kingdom. Right. So it's really fun. <laughs> yeah, it's super fun. And you know what it made me think of? You were saying once children trust you, that's kind of the basis of it all. Um, I remember a situation I was teaching at a school. I was teaching yoga in the, all of the uh, first grade classrooms. So it was around that age, six, six, uh, yeah, six and seven. And when they saw me in the hallway, sometimes the kids would be like, oh, look, it's yoga. Like they, they just, thought, you know, I was yoga to them. That's, you know, um, that's all they knew of it so far. So I remember thinking, wow, so I'm representing this massive practice of yoga to these children. And it, and it kind of made me really understand the importance of kind of practicing what I preach and coming into the room centered and, you know, preparing however I can because, to them, like that might be the first experience of yoga and you're kind of, you are it. So it, it's just, it's <laughs> no like, a, a, it could be <laughs> no pressure. I was going to say it could be a heavy weight, but it also can be when you reach that point of having your own practice and being able to trust yourself and just kind of saying, all right, I've, I've done all the preparation I can. Um, I was stressed on the way here. I'm going to take one deep breath. And then I'm going to teach and I'm going to do the best I can. And there's absolutely room for mistakes because what better lesson than for the kids to see you make mistakes too, but how do you handle it? You know? Yeah, it's, it is a lot of pressure because like you said, a lot of times we are the face of this ancient <laughs> practice <laughs> to these kids. Um, so we are always on our toes in how we act, how we respond to things, how we observe things. Um, so we are always keeping Ahimsa in mind. Um, mm -hmm. But again, it just, we can also lead by example, like you said, in the way that like, we're not perfect. And being a yogi doesn't mean that you're perfect. And it just sets the tone for the rest of their lives if they continue on with this practice. Um, you know, we live in an age where everybody wants to have, you know, these perfect asana poses so that they can post on Instagram in these luxurious places. And like, that's great and all. And there's definitely a space for that. 
but there's also a space for just taking a deep breath on the train. And that's the same amount of yoga as, you know, doing a king pigeon in Bali. So letting, letting the kids know, like, you can always access yoga wherever you are. You don't have to focus so much on the asana and you're not a bad yogi if you can't hold a king dancer pose for 30 seconds. But again, planting that seed young with kids, that's such a powerful, powerful tool. Yeah, absolutely. And the amount of pressure on kids right now, you know, to... I know, especially we're teaching here in New York City, so there's um, a lot of private schools or just the testing that's done for the public schools. And there's just a lot of pressure from a young age. And to be able to have a space where they can come every week and there's no pressure, there's no competition. It's not about being better than anyone or, you know, getting better at yoga. I like to say yoga is a practice, not a perfect. So getting that message through to them, it it is really super powerful. I always think I wish I had yoga when I was a kid. I think that's part of the reason why I teach it now. Um, I absolutely agree. You feel the same? Oh, yes. If I had yoga principles when I was a child, I think I would be a much different person. And I don't think that I would have gone through as many pain points in my life as I did. Mm -hmm. And maybe I would have, but I I would have been better equipped to deal with them. Um, I don't think that I would have beat myself up so much. And I don't think that I would have overthought a lot of things. Um, So yeah, I think that's also one of the reasons why I teach kids yoga is because I want to, I want to be who I needed for these kids when I was younger. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I always make it a point to start the classes where we take maybe the first 10 or 15 minutes, depending on the day, take the first 10 to 15 minutes and they just tell me how they're feeling. Um, with the younger classes, we use our thumbs as signals. So like thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle or any place in between. And then they can choose to share why they feel that way. And even yeah. just giving them that few minutes to just to vent, <laughs> you know, and just to say what is what's going great, what's going not so great. Um, just letting them know that they are heard, because unfortunately, a lot of kids don't necessarily have the space to do that. Yeah. And as a kids yoga teacher, we're in a pretty unique spot to be able to just kind of be there for them, not as a friend, not as a parent, but as their yoga teacher. It's just right. a unique relationship. Um, one more question before I ask my final. Is there a limb of yoga, one of the eight limbs, that is your favorite to teach in your classes? Hmm. I would have to say pranayama. Hmm. Um, we don't really do breath retention with young kids in my classes, but more so teaching them different breathing techniques. Um, it actually, I frame it to them as a game where, Hey, if this is what you're feeling right now, 
there's this little breathing technique that you can do that's going to make you feel even better. Um, so they think it's hilarious that like, if you're feeling tired and you don't have a lot of energy, you can do this bunny breath and all of a sudden you have so much energy. Mm -hmm. Or if you're feeling upset about something because your classmate broke your pencil or, you know, your sister did something to you at home, you can just close your eyes and do like these big belly breaths. And all of a sudden, none of that matters. It's like magic. It all just disappears. (laughs) Right. It is. It is like magic. I love that. So I would say that that's my favorite, um, again, because it's something that it's low cost, high yield. Um, you know, it's something really simple that can go a long way and that they're able to access anywhere. Um, especially in New York City, our kids are on public transportation all the time. So, you know, if they're on the three train, doing a downward dog is probably not a good idea, but <laughs> <laughs> they can still do their breathing and they're doing yoga. So again, just kind of implementing that early, I think is, that's probably my favorite one. Yeah, exactly. I say your breath is your best friend. It's always with you no matter where you go. And like you said, it doesn't matter where you are. You could do your yoga breathing and feel the power of that. Okay. So for our final question, um, I was wondering if you can offer us what I call a kid's yoga gem. So if you can offer one piece of practical advice to someone interested in teaching yoga to kids, what would it be? I think my gem would be plant the seed, but remember that seeds take time to bloom. Um, A lot of times people working with kids, they show them something or teach them something. And we are just in a society where we expect immediate results. Um, and we have to remember that when we're dealing with children, everybody is blooming at their own pace. Um, you know, we as moms sometimes get caught up in this too, where, you know, your child may have hit a developmental stage later than somebody else's child. And it's just like, well, how come my kid can't do this yet? And, you know, so-and-so's kid is this tall and weighs this much. Why isn't my kid there? And I think we need to remember as yoga teachers, like we are planting the seeds. They will bloom when they bloom. And we just need to trust the process. Um, it's really powerful when you're teaching a breathing technique to a toddler and, you know, six months down the road, when they come back to your class, you see them doing the breathing ball with you. And they, they remember that that's what the breathing ball is for. We're taking a deep breath in and we're letting it out through their mouths. Um, so yeah, just remember you might not see the results immediately. You might see them years later, but do not get discouraged. Just trust the process with it. I love that so much for both teaching and parenting. That's really such good advice. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I really loved talking to you. My pleasure. And we will connect soon and continue continue doing what you do and spreading all the kids' yoga love. Thank you. Thank you. You as well. I really appreciate this. Okay. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye, Jessica. 
And now, a word from this week's sponsor, Marissa's daughter, Dylan. What? What's yoga, Dylan? It's a little fun, but it's a little fun. It's a little fun? I, do, I was doing some dancing, singing, and collecting stuff. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to support the Kids Yoga Podcast, here are a few ways you can do that. Visit www.thekidsyogapodcast.com. Here you'll see a link to my Patreon page, and you will see different monthly subscriptions, which will offer you added benefits. You can also contact me through the website and see all of the episodes that have been released so far. In addition, I truly appreciate those five-star reviews and ratings because it just brings so many more people to the show and it just means the world. So if you feel compelled, a rating and review and press that subscribe button as well. So if you want to get in touch, shoot me an email, thekidsyogapodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow The Kids Yoga Podcast on Instagram and on Facebook. Again, thank you so much for being here. 